I would like to ask you to turn today in your Bibles or on your uh, iPhones or iPads, uh, wherever you carry the Word of God, I'd like to ask you to turn to Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5 is where I'm going to speak from this day, and uh, uh, I uh, I've come today. Uh, there are some standing. Why don't you stand for the reading of the Word of God? I know you have stood patiently today, but just honor the Word of God because I want you to receive the infallible, never-changing, life-giving, hope, uh, a mustering word of faith today. And Romans chapter number 5 is where we're going today in the Word of God. And this is what the great Apostle Paul writes. He said, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Everybody say, made right. I like it when somebody makes me right. And God made us right by faith, Paul says. Because of that, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord hath done for us. And because of our faith, Christ hath brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Everybody say undeserved privilege. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And then he changes gears right here in his, in his writings in verse number 3. Note this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Everybody say endurance. And we can, we, we can, we can actually rejoice when we have problems and trials because they develop endurance in us. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this is my subject today for Seven Cities Church. Verse 5, the first phrase. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, a hope beyond disappointment. A hope beyond disappointment. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. As Pastor has stated this morning, it's been 16 months today since mental illness took our beautiful 41-year-old daughter from our world by suicide. I stand here trembling today after this period of time in my life because I will confess to this audience this morning that this year marks 50 
years of gospel ministry for me in my life. Fifty years. And yet I will tell the people that I have the wonderful opportunity to address today that in the course of life there are some things that will happen on the journey of life and living that you just simply cannot figure out on your own and and if you live long enough there are some things that you will have more questions about in life than you have answers for and after Allie's suicide 16 months ago today God silenced my mouth for a period of 98 days to follow I did not speak in public for nearly a hundred days after her death because I confess that I knew that eventually a day would come in which I would be called on again to stand in front of church congregations, conferences and conventions and small group settings. And I would sit across tables from people that were searching for hope in their world and in their life. People that had had things happen in their world that they could not make any sense of whatsoever. And I confess that I dreaded it because of what I was going to be forced to learn out of this life-changing circumstance in my own life and in my own family. As a local church pastor, I thought that I uh, really had a handle on so much of the grief and the suffering that goes on in our world around us. For 40 years, I had the privilege of pastoring one congregation on the south side of Fort Worth. And in any given week during that 40-year time span, a certain number of my congregation would be hospitalized. And a certain number would call me during any given week and want to talk about the problems in their world, the problems of aging parents, the problems of faltering marriages, the problems of rebellious children. And very often I would be called over that period of time to officiate a funeral, usually the peaceful death and homegoing of an elderly person. But occasionally I would be called on to minister to families that were suffering tragic and unplanned events in their world and in their life. And I assumed that the world was just like that, that ever so often something tragic would happen to people and yet the world would go on and lives would go on as usual while a small sliver of humanity were undergoing their own personal suffering and trial. But ladies and gentlemen, on May the 10th, 2016, it shattered the reality of my seemingly well-planned and insulated and manageable life. I had just retired from ministry, from the pastoral ministry, 
And now I was living my dream, traveling the nation with 30 young pastors under my care. And I was spending time with them in situations like this, speaking to their congregations and speaking to their church staffs and giving them hope along the way. And then May 10th, 2016 shattered my life as I had known it. Sherry and I had dealt with what we viewed as the normal physical and psychological and spiritual challenges of our children. And we were blessed by many loving friends and caring physicians and resources to do what we thought was best for our individual family. And however, I must tell you that one phone call on that Tuesday afternoon changed everything. I stand and I pull back the curtains of my heart today to you, my friends in Midland, Texas. And I tell you that there can come a time in your world in which everything that you have ever believed will suddenly go on trial. And that's what happened in my particular world. Everything that I had ever known was now on trial. And everything that I had ever told anyone else about God and about faith and about hope was now on the witness stand and was being cross-examined and was being questioned by the circumstances that I now found myself in as an individual. I must tell you that my lamentation was so deep because my daughter was the one of our children that understood me. She got me. She was a straight-A student all of her life that never made one B. She graduated sum cum laude from Texas Christian University with a double major. She had master's work at the University of Dallas and was a very wonderful wife and a very wonderful mother to her two children. And she was a high school teen teacher par excellence in our community. And yet my lamentation became synced with that of Job and I joined the fraternity of the anguished and I reached to understand the chaos of the unexplainable. Ladies and gentlemen, since that day, I have found myself forced to enroll in the graduate school of grief. And oh, are the life lessons real? And are they poignant? And are they tangible? Now, I did not come today just to preach my experience from the pain and the sorrow. But I have come to this house today to bring to you a rhema word, a word of life and a word of hope. Can I tell you that none of us in this house are immune because of our faith from tragedy. There are none of us that will be separated from a thing called loss. And there are many that are sitting here this morning dealing with your own personal pain. But could I stand and preach to you a message of hope today that God is a God of triumph and God is a God of thriving and that there is hope 
beyond life's disappointments and you can survive and you can thrive again in your world. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. 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 During our time of loss, we received hundreds and hundreds of messages, cards, letters, gifts, uh, the love of the people of God and of our friends was overwhelming. But I turned to an old book that I had in my library. It's a classic. And it is written by Rabbi Harold Kushner. And the title of that book is When Bad Things Happen to Good People. When Bad Things Happen to Good People. I want to do a little survey this morning just in this, in, in, in this crowd. Uh, I, 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 the question was asked in this book, and, 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 and it's, it, it's haunted me. How many people do you think goes through an entire life without some trouble in one of these four areas? And I'm going to ask you, if you have never had any financial troubles at all in your life, would you please raise your hand? Well, hallelujah, glory to God. Well, there's one said he had never had any financial God bless you, brother. God bless you, never had any financial problems. That puts you in a class by yourself and all the rest of us in this room. At some point, we have known what it's like for the funds to be short and maybe for the demands to be greater than our resources. How many of you uh, have uh, gone this far in your life and you've never ever had any health problem? Well, I don't see anybody. Everybody, everybody uh, can say uh, they've known something about, they've known something about the struggle of health on some level. I better not ask for anybody to raise your hand on this next one because it gets a little bit too close to home. But is there anybody that is not a liar that's been married for any length of time that says that they've never ever had any disagreement in marriage or any problems in, in their relationship? There's one or two of you that would raise your hand to that. Uh, how many of you, and don't raise your hand on this one, but... Uh, how many of you have gone all the way through raising children without ever having a problem with one of your children on any area? I mean, they were just dropped out of heaven as little angels, and they remained little angels all of their life. If you'll lie about, if you, if you'll lie about that, you'll lie about other things. So just don't come correct me after the service because I know you're lying if you've got kids. You understand that, uh, you know, you thought they were little angels when they got here, but if you've done any life and living, you'll find that they've got minds of their own and they do, they, they, they do their own thing. Let me just simply make this point, that there are very, very few people on the face of Mother Earth, 7 billion people strong, 
that go through the entirety of their life without facing problems. And I want to go on record as telling this church today that it's not wrong to have problems. It is not a sin to have problems. But what we have felt in this service this morning in this house is simply a message of hope from God Himself that says it's not wrong to have problems, but we mess up when we fail to bring our problems to Him and cast them at His feet because He is a God that is greater than our problems. He is a God that has hope beyond our disappointments. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He said we're different than other people in that we find ourselves glorying in our suffering. Now that's a weird statement, is it not? We find ourselves glorying in our sufferings. That is, ladies and gentlemen, the antithesis of what our world is all about today. How many of you know that the illegal drug business in America is a multi-billion dollar business and enterprise? You know what it's you know what it's superseded by? The legal drug business. That is a twenty billion dollar a year business in our nation in America because you know why? Because we Americans don't do pain very easily. We don't like pain. We don't like suffering. Therefore, our medicine cabinets are full of medication to try to keep us from suffering. Could I just go on record as simply saying that to the child of God, however, we understand that we're not going to make it all the way through this thing called life without some times of testing and suffering. And Paul, the man that knew all about this subject, he said, we have learned to glory in our suffering for this reason. And this is my first point today. Paul said, suffering develops endurance. I just feel like saying this right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not how you start this thing that matters. But it really does matter how we finish. Is there anybody in the house that has felt the Holy Ghost today that has just given you hope beyond your struggles and your disappointments enough that in this house you have said, God, if you'll be my helper, I'm going to make it another week by your mercy and grace. I'm going to make it another day by what you did on the cross. I'm going to invoke the hope that goes beyond my struggles and my disappointments. You know, you never do really get anywhere in life by constantly going downstream, by going down the mountain. Every now and then you have to climb one. And every now and then you have to go against the grain in life. That's the reason that Paul said, 
that suffering produces a thing called endurance in our lives. The great Hall of Fame football coach and commentator John Madden, he came up with a term. He called it yak, Y-A-C, yak. Everybody say yak. You know what that stands for? It stands for yards after contact. Football is a contact sport. But what he wanted to measure was how many yards a runner or a player could make after he was first hit or after contact was made with him and he got his first hit. Did his legs keep churning? Did he keep moving the ball forward? Did he keep going in the right direction toward the goal or did he lay down and quit? Yards after contact, Walter Payton, the great running back of the Chicago Bears, gained over 16,000 yards in his pro career, but he got knocked down every 4.3 yards. Let me tell you, you will get hit on this journey. Walter Payton got hit 7,000 times in order to gain those 16,000 yards in his career. Somebody asked Emmett Smith, the all-time leading rusher for the Dallas Cowboys. Do you ever get tired, Emmett? To which Emmett Smith answered the question, I play tired. If you're wanting something to tweet today, you put this down. This is what I've come to tell you. Great people don't quit when they're tired. They quit when they're finished. You need to remember that. God brought that to my heart and my mind in my darkest hour. Ron, do you ever feel like quitting? Yes, I feel like quitting, but I don't know how to quit. Because great people only quit when they're finished with their job and with their journey. Because hope is in God that goes beyond your disappointments. Hallelujah to God. And then Paul said this, he said, endurance develops character. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance develops character. Sherry and I just celebrated 48 years of marriage, and uh, I got married at 19 years of age, and I thought I was the most mature young thing that ever was. I had it. I mean, I had a hundred dollar bill to my name when I got married. And I thought we could go on a week's honeymoon for a hundred dollars. Motel rooms were six dollars a night. And I spent all of our money on steak dinners. And we had to cut that week in half and come home on Wednesday go to work I'm sure there's some of you in this crowd today that could one up that I was a skinny 147 pounds and my ears stuck out so much on my head that it looked like the back doors of a 46 Ford that opened from the middle back but I thought that I knew everything. 
Can I tell you that in these 48 years, I don't work near as hard, but I work a little wiser. I, 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 I hope I've learned some things. You know, Farmers Insurance has a great ad out now, if you ever noticed it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know some things because we've seen some things. We know some things because we've seen some things. And my journey of endurance developing character in my life synced with that of Job because I've spent a lot of time in the book of Job during these last 16 months of my lamentation. And you know what I found? That for 37 chapters, Job went off on God about everything that he did not understand and about everything that, that, that he had a problem with. And, and, and I've heard preachers say, don't you ever question God? Could I just simply tell you that my God is big enough for my questions? Could I tell you that your God is big enough for your questions? And so God just sat silently while Job went off on him for 37 chapters. And then God said, are you finished? Could I talk now? And you know what? God answered all of his questions into just two chapters. God said something like, where were you, Job, when I flung the stars into their, their, their space and I, fl I flung the planets into their orbits? Where were you when I spoke the word of creation? The waters divided above from the waters below. Job, I just want you to know that I am the God of your hope and your latter shall be greater than your former and that that you have lost will be returned to you. Many fold over. I just have stopped by Midland today to tell you that he is a God of hope beyond your disappointment. Let me hasten to wrap up our time in the Word together. Paul said, and character strengthens our hope. Character strengthens our hope. Chuck Swindoll, one of the greatest writers of recent times and religious circles was asked one day where does hope come from to which Chuck Swindoll said it comes from pain you can't really know the depth of hope until you walk through pain and pain produces that hope that comes from a character that is forged by your endurance and by your character. Now let me tell you that Paul ends this portion of scripture in Romans 5 by saying that when character produces hope in your life that this is a hope that will not disappoint. And in my darkest hour as a father that had just 
gone through the darkest time of my entire life. To understand that my beautiful, beautiful daughter filled with such love, filled with the love of God, the grace of God in a moment, in a moment of desperation, would go to the little work shack behind their home and take a nine millimeter Beretta and put it to the left side of her forehead and pull that trigger. A young lady that had not been raised up around guns, but her husband and a bunch of the other young men in our congregation had kind of gotten into the deal of buying guns and taking their wives to the shooting range to, to prepare them for, for self-defense. I don't know that my daughter had ever shot a gun over, over twice in her life, but it took her life in one wrong decision. And I was in such grief, and I closed with this, to just simply illustrate the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. That I didn't know whether I could go on or not. That I didn't know whether I could live much longer myself. And I asked God this question. God, in your providence, if I am your child, could you please just give me a sign of hope? Could you give me something that would go beyond my earth-shattering disappointment? And for 48 nights, I had seldom slept after my daughter's death. And I had not slept all night on a Saturday night on the 48th day and night. And I had pleaded with God to please give me a sign. And I'd finally gone back in early on that Sunday morning and laid down on my bed after praying that prayer one more time. And I drifted off into a deep sleep. And while in that deep sleep, God gave me a vision that changed everything. I don't know who you are and I don't know where you might be on your journey. But I've just come to this church today to try to tell somebody that God knows where you are and he knows what your desire is. And if you'll ask him, God knows your name. He knows where you are and he knows the touch that you need in your life. And I drifted into this deep sleep early on a Sunday morning about 6 a.m. I've never been one to in my ministry to stand and say that I've had a lot of visions and I've had a lot of signs and I've never never made the statement a whole lot that God spoke to me this or that. But I will go on record, ladies and gentlemen, if God ever does speak to you, you'll never forget it. You'll never get over it if God ever speaks to you personally and individually in your struggles and your disappointment. And in my in my sleep, God showed me a vision. And it was of me supposed, supposedly meeting someone at a restaurant 
in my life and ministry I've done it a thousand times and over which I went someplace to meet someone supposedly for a meal and this particular vision that God gave me was of a little restaurant and I'll never forget the restaurant was painted maroon and behind the restaurant's back parking lot was a row of trees that were slender trees that reached to the heavens and behind those trees was a clear flowing river that looked like the river of life and I drove up in my vehicle to the front parking lot of this little restaurant and there I waited and in my vision and in my dream I I did not know who I was supposed to meet but then a silver SUV pulled up on the back parking lot and a young lady got out from behind the driver the driver's wheel and when I got out and started walking toward her then I suddenly realized that it was my daughter Allison the last time I had seen her was on Mother's Day two days before and her brow had been furrowed and I had talked with her about what she was struggling with and 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 now when God pulled back the curtain and let me see her in this vision her hair was perfect everything about her was perfect the last thing that I had remembered before putting her in the ground her body in the ground was reaching out and touching her arm with my left hand her right arm and it was dead and lifeless and cold but now as I walked toward her in my vision I put out my hands and there I saw my daughter in her glorified body and if you think that God's not good he allowed me to reach out and with my left hand put it on that same arm that was the last arm I touched on this side and I touched an arm that was warm and strong and full of life and there was a radiance that shone from her and I took her into my arms God allowed me to touch her in her glorified state you say Pastor Ron how can that be because ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you that I preach a God of all good hope could I tell you that God God does not hold our momentary moments against us but God takes the totality of our lives and holds us up to the blood of the cross of Calvary he does not see us in our momentary struggles mentally. Is there anyone here that can say you've never had a mental problem or a mental struggle? I simply say that God is greater than your struggles. I have come today to Midland, Texas to give you hope in your heart that God is greater than your struggles and your disappointments. And I'm inviting you today to cast your care upon Him because now everywhere I go I'm going to tell the story that God's not finished with you yet God's not finished with you yet
I invite you to seize your moment and your day to actually take your mess and make it your message. To take your mess and make it your message. You see, there are five purposes that God has for your life. To know Him and to love Him. That's what we did today in worship. That's what worship is all about. It's about knowing who we worship and then having the courage to worship Him. The second purpose that God has in our life is learning to love one another. That's what is called fellowship. That's what's called fellowship, learning to love one another and do life together. The third purpose that God has in our life is to grow up spiritually. That is what I have talked about today that Paul said is character. To grow up spiritually in God and not be babies all of our lives. And the fourth purpose of our life is to practice serving. And that's what's called ministry. That's serving others. That's serving our community. That's doing the work of God that He has given us. And the fifth purpose in our life is that every one of us are made with a mission. And my mission from now on is to try to tell people there is hope beyond your disappointments in life. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? I've gone a little long today. Pastor doesn't have to invite me back. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. But if you're here in this room this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now all over this sanctuary. And if you need something from God, would you just slip up your hand right now? Maybe something's going on in your world, your family. Something's going on on your job. Maybe something's going on with your children. Maybe you need, maybe you need peace in your heart and your mind more than ever before. Maybe you need a new job. You need, you need a miracle in your life today. I will tell you that God is greater than anything that you can or cannot see. Wherever you find yourself today, put your hope in Him. Let Him build your life so that your character reaches out to hope and Hope does not disappoint you. 